Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm Mummy. I'm Carol. I'm Daddy. I'm Josh. Thank you for joining us today. This is a delight. We're happy to be here in spite of the circumstances of today's movie, the 2010 monstrosity that launched multiple sequels insidious and oh it is insidious <laughs> truly <laughs> the most insidious thing was making us watch it shall we read a recap of this movie for the uninitiated yeah it's also 10 years old can you believe that yeah time does fly when you're a parent i guess that is a thing we're all learning am i right i guess so yeah it doesn't excuse anything about this movie. Um, but maybe we liked it. <laughs> You'll see. Keep listening. The teacher, Josh Lambert, and his wife, Renee, move with their three children, the boys Dalton and Foster and the baby Callie, to a big house. When Dalton is exploring the attic, he falls from the ladder and hits the head on the floor. On the next morning, Dalton does not wake up and stays in a coma, but the doctors are not able to diagnose his problem. Three months later, weird things happen in the house, and Renee sees apparitions. She's sure that the house is haunted and convinces Josh to move to another house. Sooner, Renee sees ghosts in the new house, and Josh, Josh that's me, does not believe in his wife. <laughs> but his mother, Lorraine, tells him that she had also had a vision of a fiend in Dalton's room. Yeah, they invite the medium and Lorraine's old friend, Elise Rainier, who brings her team of ghost hunters, Specs and Tucker, to investigate the supernatural phenomenon. Elise explains that Dalton is a traveler with the ability of leaving his physical body and travel in astral projection. Now, his spiritual body is lost in a place called Further. That is not for the living, and entities are gathered, trying to get inside his empty physical body. Among these entities, there is a demon that needs Dalton's body to cause pain to others. Further, I don't know if that's, it's capitalized no matter what. I think they mean furthermore. Lorraine discloses that Josh is also a gifted traveler and must seek out Dalton in the further and bring him back. Shouts Claudio Carvalho, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Okay, so there was there were a few uh, slight language things there, but I thought it was a pretty decent recap in general. Yeah, yeah, no, it touches on most of the main points. But don't worry, you don't have to write a good synopsis to get on IMDb, because this is the next one after that. Yeah, or on Mummy and Diddy. No, you don't. <laughs> okay, the Lambert family move into a new home. Little do they know that the house is haunted. The next morning, rain pulls her books or puts her books on the shelf a few minutes later the books fall off the shelf on their own the baby monitor says it all the demon takes over an innocent child <laughs> i thought that was just so great like it, oh. it it describes one moment in the movie and then just oh someone waited till the night before their book report was due yeah. stayed up way too late and fell asleep typing it what they thought was just gonna be a slam dunk 
Oh, thank you, Amet Cozen. Amet Cozen. Maybe that's something backwards. I would kind of just do a podcast reading only synopses of the movie Insidious. Oh my gosh. And that's just like the third one posted on IMDb. Like who's monitoring this stuff? Anyway. Not a baby. The point is, okay, this movie, this movie was egregiously bad. Deeply problematic. We're going to try to not get too into the weeds on how bad it was, though we could. We're going to try and stick to the parenting stuff that we want to talk about. But I will just say, going into this movie, I think that Josh and I were bracing ourselves because we were like, well, we've done some, you know, 80s cheesy horror movies. We did a new movie, Us. Let's do something like in that period of time where we weren't really going to see movies like this. Just Yeah. When they're they were kinda, really churning them out as right. well. There was just like a... A whole run of in a like conjuring era where they said someone said like, oh, these are viable box office things, saw franchise, all right. that kind of stuff. Which like uh, a decade of Yeah, producers from both of those movies are involved in this. It's a Blumhouse movie. And while we were trying to pick the movie, we were like, Oh my gosh, is it gonna be too you know, you're just kinda like what am I getting myself into? Because yeah. what was on the table was like The Conjuring and Paranormal Activity 2, which I thought was really pretty scary and Josh hasn't seen. But like we're like, let's watch something that we both haven't seen. I think we were kind of bracing ourselves. And after about 40 minutes in, a little after the first act, uh, we all we relaxed because it's a it's a really hilariously bad movie. And um we really thought this was going to be prime for the show because the poster famously features what else but a scary, demonic, Damien-looking child. Bags under his eyes. Uh, they look like his eyes are red. He's standing in front of a house. You think these parents are trapped in with an evil force beyond their reckoning, and it's taken the form of their, of their loving son, somehow named Dalton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, better be a family name. (laughs) So the first parenting thing that we noticed in this movie was young Dalton goes up to the attic to investigate a noise he heard. The the door opens by itself and he is drawn as a child towards a a floating bobble. (laughs) He's drawn in as if by a lure. He is suckered into the attic. Yeah. And fear awaits. (laughs) <laughs> it's an attic it's an attic by the way okay i'm sorry i'm going to oh, i have a note about this <laughs> the first time we see the attic uh, rose Byrne goes up in the attic and the very first thing carol says when she's walks sets foot in this attic which by the way is like eight foot tall like vaulted ceilings it is not the attic from vacation no and it's not an attic that you find in Los Angeles, which an exterior shot has revealed palm trees. We are in Los Angeles in a three-story mansion. Okay. Yeah. Public school teacher and a songwriter. A stay-at-home musical mom. That's what I have dubbed Rose Byrne. Great. Because apparently she is a composer, but it's alluded to very briefly. Yeah, she's writer's block. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this movie that they can have that house, but fine. 
Yeah, I did. You're right. I said no attic, no attic ever for us or basement, maybe just a one story house forever. (laughs) This is why we'll never have an attic. That's what you said. (laughs) Nothing had happened yet. (laughs) All I was thinking when I saw it was like, you could throw a ping pong table up there. (laughs) That's what I wanted. Rose Byrne. Men just don't live in fear. It's so fun for them. What are you afraid of in an attic? <laughs> what are you not afraid of in an attic? They're, Attics are so creepy. Oh my god! They're hot. That's the biggest. They're problem so with an attic. hot. Um, Especially yeah. when you mysteriously put your hundred-year-old furnace in the attic for no reason. Yeah, which is apparently not a thing. It's definitely not a thing in California either. They just wanted to what draw us into the world of Home Alone. And remind us that fear can even exist uh, in our imaginations, hmm. in the appliances in our home, and in the fixtures we see every day. Wow. Well, we're going to begin the long journey of giving more credit than is due to this movie because uh, we've we have a lot of that in our notes. But no, I don't. I don't think that was what they were doing. But let's give them that. What so, would your fear of attic be? Noises, creeps, and creaks. <laughs> Uh, that was in the script for this movie as well. <laughs> okay, so Dalton goes up to the attic. We had already seen the attic because Rose Byrne went up there to look for oh, her sheet music, right? Box of her sheet music. She's a musician. so Tons of musicians writing sheet music, 2010. <laughs> and she breaks the rung of the ladder. Okay, so we know that this ladder... It's not only just looking rickety, it is. Dalton very slowly goes up this ladder to try to get to the light string and falls. That's right. We didn't know at that point that this must be an ancient, endless beast of magic named Rickety Ladder that was after (laughs) Dalton's young corpse. More on that in a moment. But at this point in the movie, I thought, okay, this still might be a scary movie. Like I was, I I was like, oh gosh, no, he's not dead. You couldn't die from just falling off a ladder. You know, I was like going through weird things in my head because I was really afraid for this child. Right. Seeing the poster was the only thing that made me think there's no way that Dalton is dead because he's the villain. He's on the poster. Oh, that's funny because I thought he would come back as a ghost. But anyway, um, or some sort of demon, but he falls off the ladder. The parents realize that, do they hear him screaming from downstairs? Yeah. Cause he falls and then you hear him screaming because I think that's when he sees the Darth Maul from his astral projection dreams as we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Very good. My issue with this, the, the parents run upstairs. I don't have a problem with them leaving their probably eight year old with the infant baby downstairs while they go and check on their child. I did at the time while we were watching it. I was like, oh no, now those two kids are alone. What's going to happen to those two kids? I mean, yeah, in a new house, multiple stories, probably a good idea to rarely leave your baby alone anywhere. Maybe just one parent goes. Exactly. Um, But up they go. They find him in the attic. The door was not closed by magical forces or anything. They're able to walk inside and there's Dalton. Um, And the parents kind of immediately read him the riot act about falling off the ladder and uh, going up in the attic. Yeah, it's met with just um, like anger and annoyance. Can you hear a clip? Let's do it. What? What happened? Did you fall? Did you fall 
the ladder? How did you fall down? Are you okay? Why did you climb on the ladder? Honey. Are, are you okay? What hurts? What hurts? What? All right. Can you move it? Can you move your leg? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. What happened to your head? Oh, gosh. Scraped it. Okay. Honey, you cannot come up here, okay? Do not explore anymore. It's, it's very dangerous, okay? It's off limits now. Okay. Okay, okay. It's okay. It's okay. Can you stand on it? Be careful. I got you. Come here. What are you doing? You scared us, buddy. Can you just do a little exploring? Yeah, and then sort of trails off from there into the next scene. Upon re-listening to that, it doesn't feel as bad as I read it on first uh, on first viewing, but it doesn't feel great. It still feels like that initial the initial panic in their voice is something you do want to try to avoid as a parent. And we understand the dramatic need for drama in a film such as Insidious. You want to make sure that you're you're not necessarily Oh, it is insidious, isn't it? The way that they ramp up the drama in this movie. At every twist and turn, more insidious things and creatures befoul us all. Uh, it seriously felt like it was fed into an AI, like it was AI writing a movie where they just were like, all right, haunted house, kids, baby, uh, you know, six year old, eight year old, got some paranormal ghost hunters we've got it told the computer to watch uh poltergeist and like other haunted house movies and just made an amalgamation and threw a evil word that hadn't been used on as the title anyway yeah. what titles are available it's like they're naming an app yeah exactly <laughs> it's called insidly um if there's <laughs> if there was anything to take away from this though still that initial that initial response and uh dumb uh Blondman, what's his name? Who's in all of these? Patrick movies? Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson is a. He's so upset at his child and seems put out by the very fact that he has to be up there and that his child might have hurt himself. Even like the oh man is is yeah. indicative of. I hope I don't have to take you to the emergency room. Please tell me you didn't actually hurt your head. Are you serious? You fell down. Can you stand on it? Like he kind of recovers by the end of that, which is great. So what I don't were know, you doing up here? But. Exploring? Were you exploring, you child? Like yeah. it's so accusatory. The kid, you can tell, poor Dalton, mm-hmm. full of shame. Yeah, he's, he's now shamed into. He's apologizing for an accident. Right, and that it was never off limits before, and that that's a conversation that you can wait until he's not feeling ashamed of his injury. Right, um, and you can just have that that talk later. So I just felt like they really. It was just like a, a botched moment in parenting, and there's at no point also any form of regret that that was like the last conversation they got to have with their son. <laughs> yeah, jokes on them because he goes to sleep and doesn't wake up uh, for a while, for a while, <laughs> for months and months. It's basically three months of treatment in the hospital. Nothing works. Nobody knows what's going on. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. Must be absolutely wretched. I can't believe. I can't imagine. It's, it's no. I mean that. That's also where this movie fails miserably is because that is such an inherently horrible prospect and they didn't drag any of the actors through any of that at all. They even show a hospice nurse at the home showing Rose Byrne how to insert this feeding tube and all and like some yeah. of those things very briefly. 
shout out to all the hospice nurses and uh, other home care givers who are in the work they do. I mean, to me, that has to be, you know, it's never a good situation right. for the family if you're there. Um, but so again, to show that and not give any kind of sense of, of like the loss or changes that had happened in the house over the course of that time was a gigantic misstep. But only because we, at the time, were still thinking that this could be like a seriously scary movie. But now looking back, I'm glad they didn't spend any more time on it because it's just a silly, like, joke movie. And, you know, we had noticed that it was PG-13 before we started watching it, which made us pause. (laughs) And it should have probably known that it wasn't going to be a darker movie, you know, like it was going to. Right. That even the themes, that's true, that it doesn't just mean like language and gore. Very likely the themes would be enough to get a higher, get that R rating if they were going to bother. Like Pet Cemetery is R. Oh, yeah. That's a good distinction, especially and for a movie of its age. Right. That is very atypical. Yeah. Yeah. But it is about, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. Um, Okay. So... At this point, Dalton is home. He's on this life support, basically, uh, in his bedroom. And Rose Byrne has continued her stay-at-home musical mom. Writer's block adventure. <laughs> and she... Just sitting in front of blank staff paper on in front of the piano, just like basically banging her head on the keys. Right. And she has a audio-only baby monitor. So right. this is one of the devices in the movie that uh i thought you know what you're right baby monitors are inherently creepy Mm -hmm. they used it i think to a good end it was a creepy scene anything with the baby monitor fine yes fine with that and there is like a a creepy voice that Mm -hmm. is basically saying like i need to have it Something like that, yeah. right? Like yeah. it is. Uh, I want it now. It's like <laughs> yes, but at the time, I mean, Jesus Christ, that is scary. That's your little infant baby. That's very scary. But so she runs into the room after she hears this voice on the baby monitor as she's failing to compose, and she gets to the child, and the baby is standing up in the crib with her hands on the railing, and she is fully like her her from the waist up is standing at the crib, right? And so my immediate thought was... Oh, she's fully from the waist up. She's standing, like her waist is at the railing of yes, the crib. Yes, yes. So I did not even notice that. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I'm always just, uh, gosh, babies in movies, you know, it's stressful. But she's got to lower that crib. And there's another part in the movie where she goes in, the baby's crying, and it's like she sees that, the demon or whatever, and the baby's crib is still up there. I thought, oh, maybe... Maybe it was just that shot they wanted to get that, like the baby standing up in the crib. Right. And maybe it was more just a, uh, whatever, a, a consistency issue, whatever you call that. Yeah. Like, but it was still up. Right. So like she was standing on a little apple box. Right. <laughs> so just a PSA, parents, when your baby is that big, you got to lower that crib. There are two settings. Most people know this. I guess if one of your three children is in a, strange inexplicable coma maybe you're not thinking about this stuff but that's how real tragedies happen yeah exactly when you're not thinking about the basic needs of those little ones when you think that or just anyone who you think might be doing that thing we've talked about in previous episodes of sort of overestimating your own child's 
abilities or underestimating their needs. If mm, well said, thank you so much. So James Wan, next time, lower that crib. We had a friend who recently had to, I think they had to get their toddler out of a crib or it was suggested that they do because of a height limit that oh, yeah. above a certain height. And I want to say it's about three feet that you should not have a kid in a crib because they're more likely to just be able to flip out of the crib. That right. there is no, there's, there is a height limit on cribs. So check that out too. Yeah. James. <laughs> Unless he was trying to scare us, in which case mission accomplished. <sighs> um, terrifying, insidiously terrifying, James. I would also like to talk about the baby monitor thing. May I <laughs> for even a moment? Um, a bit about baby monitor interference and hacking, because this is a real thing. Google anything related to baby monitor. One of the first things that will come up is baby monitor hacking. Can my baby monitor be hacked? The reality, though, is that an audio-only baby monitor like she had is actually the safest, most secure, also like cheapest all around. Like If you look on things like the wire cutter, they'll be the highest rated baby monitors available because of how basically just kind of foolproof they are. Totally. So it should have been doubly terrifying. This was not like a Nest Cam or something mm-hmm. else that was, you know, internet enabled or especially like broadcasting it over long distances. This wasn't a closed circuit. This was just a closed circuit thing over, uh, I guess, whatever that is, like a, just over a wireless, yeah, it probably can, I don't even know what that is, whatever radio signal. Yeah, you like know? walkie talkies basically. Yeah. I just thought it was extra worth noting that she should have been fucking terrified when she heard this voice. Oh yeah. On the baby monitor. Um, oh yeah. When, and when people... questioned why this was happening, but she did not. Right. Like the first, this is the first supernatural thing that happens in the movie. And it's uh, like, besides her books falling on the ground and a furnace flare up, this is the first real contact with. Right. This is a creepy voice on your baby monitor. I would never let that go. In 1,000 years, I would never let it go. It would haunt me to my grave. Yes. Especially if I never found out what it was. (laughs) Yeah. And then. Then the movie just gets more insidious after that. I just want to go quickly to a quick, 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 quick. We like quick. We like speed. We're all about pithiness and speed on Mummy and Diddy. I just want to bring up real quick the scary good stuff portion of our show, which has to do with baby monitors. Let us recommend to you, as we have many apparent, the Baby Monitor 3G application. Now, this application can be found in any application store on any device. And what you're going to want to do is have two devices. You put one in the baby room. You put one wherever you are. Carry it with you. It doesn't matter. These are phones, iPhones, Androids, and uh, it can be video or just audio. While you're traveling, no need to lug around some... Baby monitor or a sound machine. Yeah, it has a sound machine on it. We never use the video portion of it usually because we have it hooked up to like a kindle uh and you can't do that yeah there are certain limitations on certain devices so i guess check your specifications first but it's like four dollars per unit you know you need to install it on each device and there isn't a way i don't believe to access it between like even with like a family shared apps right situation but still that versus having to the the fact that it does have a camera that's actually pretty good and has is like really great noise reduction features and 
sensitivity. I think it is super awesome and it is it's only over the Wi-Fi network that you can connect, so that should limit hacking ability. Someone have to hack your Wi-Fi network or get in there or whatever. It is not something that is uh, that you're able to check, say, through a website to then connect to your specific camera, which are the things that are more prone to hacks from my understanding of it. Now, we can't promise that a demon from the further isn't going to hack right into the baby monitor to 3G, but no, they're going to they need... hacking abilities beyond all knowing. The real mainframe, if you will. Yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, so then... There's another another thing that came right out of this. As I mentioned, she didn't she didn't take any action from this moment. And it was the second instance of a giant failure to communicate between these two parents. And this is a huge aspect of parenting. We don't talk a ton about the kind of relationship aspect of parenting, but it's massive. Your kids are reading this stuff. They're right there with you. The coma first, or not. Coma or not. That is a fact. Patrick Wilson kicks it off in like one of the opening scenes when he fails to tell Rose Byrne that he's going to he won't be able to pick up or drop off the kids from school because he has like some shit to do. He says Oh yeah, I don't know what he says there. But at one point he says he has to stay late in grade papers when really he's just like sulking in his empty classroom. I'm falling asleep. Um <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it is it was very weird and I mean and I thought also again kind of unearned like everything in this movie but especially when you have a if one parent works and one parent stays at home we i have a nine to five job and carol is a free has a freelancer it is still very important because you don't know what the person has to do with their day what they've already committed to what there are even just what they're expecting in the way their day is supposed to start that you wouldn't say like i need to leave immediately you're gonna need to like get dressed and get your shit together and get out the door and take these kids and also pick them up and sorry about that i'm leaving oh yeah is uh it's just uncool not a great dad move. No. I almost want to say right here, it's a bad dad. He is a bad dad. Again, something they could have gotten into, as there could be very good reasons why he's maybe not present mm-hmm. in the over the course of this movie that we see, because he is somewhat affected by the events of it um, right. in ways that are beyond his knowing. Um, the other instance is, again, when this baby monitor thing happens, Roseburn waits till the very end of the day when they're laying in bed, and it's like, you know, something strange happened today. <laughs> Someone threatening huh. to steal our baby, patched it in the monitor, and said they wanted to steal our baby. It just hmm. feels like... That's weird. Night. Yeah. I just thought that that, again, is like is a giant failure to communicate on both of their parts. That's important information for the spouse to know in case they have, they have information. What if they had, had heard something or maybe thought they did but ignored it? You had this direct interaction with this thing that... Yeah, Maybe probably would have set off a chain of events like, okay, why don't we move her crib into our room until we figure this out? Right. Why don't we make sure all the doors and windows are locked in the house before we go to bed tonight? Why don't we call the police and report this mm-hmm. incident? Why don't we make yeah. any other kind? They don't uh, really get into that. Oh, man. Because Can you just imagine if anything, <laughs> anything supernatural happened, which I'll get into a little update in our The Kids Are Creepy All Right segment later. But if anything truly supernatural or just i mean i guess that could have been somebody like you said it was a closed circuit but like maybe they get into the signal of your baby monitor whatever it is it would blow your mind (laughs) and anyway as we said but still so is it that night 
That their alarm goes off? I think so. Let's say so. Or uh, some night shortly thereafter, while this is still fresh in their minds and in their hearts. What ends up happening is the door is locked, the lights are off, everyone is in bed, and all of a sudden their home security system goes off. Patrick Wilson tells everyone to stay where they are. He goes downstairs and sees that the the door has been essentially kicked open. The uh, chain lock on it is ripped off and the door is swung wide open and there are no lights, other lights on other than he's able to turn on the entryway light or something like that. And what we see is then, I mean, this whole sequence is again, just painful to watch because he's doing a thing that is, I don't know, I guess it's a trope certainly of horror movies, but it is this idea of being like the home security lone ranger Mm -hmm. that he is going to solve whatever this problem is. And bare feet, probably. It, right, exactly. Like he's in gym shorts. He has no, uh, no like flashlight with him. No, uh, he eventually goes, he crosses the entire house to go get a fire poker. That that's the closest heavy object he can think to go get is as a means of self defense is bananas. I think the second I saw that door open, I'd run back upstairs to my family and I'd stay put and I would call the police. Also, just let the security system go off. Don't go turn it off because it's going to call the police for you. That's what they are supposed to do. That's right. As long as it's actually connected to a real security network and you're paying for that thing. Otherwise, it's just a loud noise machine, which is also fine. Why wouldn't you shout like, hey, is anybody here? The police are on their way. You make sure your family's all together and safe as a threat has a credible threat has been made against one of your own children. And you just stay put until help arrives. This presents a larger problem, again, with this movie. The police are never called once. No. They sooner move houses than call the cops. Right. They don't. The the door is kicked open. There is, again, a threat made against their child. They Later on, there's a bloody handprint on the sheet, and that's what gets them to move. Thank you. A bloody handprint on the sheet near your child's foot, your comatose child in bed, bloody handprint. Rose Burns, like... Patrick Wilson, I'm done. And he like resists a little bit. And she's like, please believe me. We need to move. And he's like, no. And then she like throws the blank, like the bloody sheet. The bloody sheet. Deal with that then. (laughs) Yeah. So bad. Forget where are the parents? Where are the police? Am I right, mommy and daddy's children? What do we call you guys? Let's find that out too. Yeah. Why wouldn't they like dust that busted door for prints? Why not test that blood? It is just bizarre. Even if it came back inconclusive, take 30 seconds to have that scene and you're done. And then you can still be like, well, fuck this place. We are moving. Right. But he does then relent to moving. So they move out of their multi-million dollar mansion in Los Angeles into another smaller house. So maybe he was like, oh my God, I can't afford this place. We do have to move. So let's take this opportunity to move. Um, but they And they had just moved into this house. They don't get into why. It's like some weird reason, but they don't ever explain it. So I yeah, thought, I kept thinking like, like, is maybe, it going to be... Maybe things will be different here. She says that line. I kept thinking like, is there going to be some history of this? Right. There's no, It's never explained. Or even that one of them has made up these visions or anything like that. Yeah. No. Then they move back home with Barbara Hershey. That's oh, the second. They move into her house? I mean, back up, same town, I guess, or she's visiting. Well, that's the thing. She, Barbara Hershey, Patrick Wilson's mom. <laughs> Who cares about the names of these characters? Um, they certainly didn't. The only the only name they say out loud is Dalton. I'm pretty sure in the whole movie. Yeah, and Renee. Oh yeah, Renee. 
It is spelled R-E-N-A-I. That oh, is I why bet we you keep saying it that way. That's an anagram for like... Oh, yeah, maybe in the seven sequels of this movie. Mm-hmm. So what the secret meaning of Renai is. <laughs> so they move houses. You're right. It could have been in with the mom. It could have been back. I have, We have no idea where they move. And she just shows up. And no one explains who she is. You infer that she is Patrick Wilson's mom. <laughs> By what she's saying, she's she's completely she just shows up in the kitchen with with Rose Byrne. And from this point forward, pretty much the other two children, um, it's like Foster and Callie or something. Right. They are completely gone from the movie and no one ever explains where they went. It's really where are the children? That's where are the children? what I just kept wondering the whole time. And if they no, were we know fully well where the parents are, they're in this new house. <laughs> And then they go down this path of calling uh, a demonologist, Elise. Yeah, shout out Elise. She looks like a landlady. She does, yeah. And then it it's like a bad poltergeist knockoff from there. They set up the monitoring of cameras and uh, weird lights and right. sensors, Fun. you know fun role reversal for Patrick Wilson to finally be on the other side of the spectrometer or whatever else from the conjuring. Is this movie before or after the conjuring? No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it's from 2010. Apparently it's from 2011. I'm you know, sorry to my insidious heads out there. It's actually listed differently in different places. Oh, cause it had multiple re-releases cause it's so popular. Yeah. So once it becomes about ghost hunting or demon hunting, the other two kids are gone. So we're then met with the two guys from the synopsis. We find our name like Specs and, you know, I don't know, Specs and Beardo. Tucker? Was it? Yeah, sure. Just some dumb names to be like, this is our comic relief. Because in case you guys are too scared from all the thrills and chills and spills happening in this movie, don't worry. Here's two arguing doofs to yeah. uh, come in and just make you laugh. Oh, gosh. In addition to be- people not understanding what... Uh, parenting is like or what things are scary they also don't know what comedy is and is a very uh, stupid movie <laughs> start to finish I, I yeah once the ghost hunters show up it just kind of goes off the rails like it, it just turned into like a weird like haunted mansion no disrespect sir my friends in rehoboth um oh yeah wasn't Shout nearly out. as good as that a haunted mansion but it just becomes like silly at that point um, yeah, it was very um, like Universal Studios haunted horror nights vibes to the production, even at which that I, point. I have to say, I feel like even those things are better eh, than some of the stuff in here. But anyway, when you do eventually, I, I feel like was there something else that you wanted to talk about parenting wise? No, that's my last parenting point. Yeah, because then Elise tells us that <laughs> Dalton's not in a coma; he has astral projected out of his body, which he's been doing so since he was uh, small. He's always done it in his dreams and he thinks it's safe and he went too far into the further and he's lost. So she tries to go get him and a demon possesses him for a second and uh, like wrecks the place. She's able to fight him off. And then Barbara Hershey takes this opportunity to tell everybody, well, the reason I know Elise is because this happened to you as a child. Patrick Wilson, and I've withheld that information from you until now. So you too have this ability. The force is strong with you as well. Then he astral projects to find Dalton in the further. 
Right. Astral projection is a really cool concept to write a horror movie about. Yes. There's they, two really cool concepts in this. I also I think it is a cool concept that all of these uh that all these supernatural creatures are coming out of the astral plane trying to take over the body of this human boy. I I love Sandman. Like that's a personal like favorite piece of fiction of mine and that is I mean in a it's not too far off from something like that or very Neil Gaiman-y kind of thing where you could have had all these creatures from his nightmares or even from other people in the house's nightmares, like things that you think you dreamt up that are then coming to act. They, they're actually real and right. they are here. They've always been trying to get into your body unsuccessfully, but now that Dalton is in this, he's he's vacated his his physical body that it is now available and so they are coming for it. Right. There could have been this really cool explanation for why that happens or what these creatures are rather than yeah jigsaw darth maul who is apparently the the king of them he's the king he is a mad seamstress yes and he is sharpening his claws on his sewing machine of scary puppets and clowns and that is what you find in the (laughs) in the astral plane that is when patrick wilson finally finds oh god there's so much in this movie that it was we were laughing and having a grand old time actually watching it because yeah a, I did the, enjoy myself yeah I feel like it was low budget there's probably a lot on the cutting room floor that were probably tied things together more that somehow didn't make it into the movie but it doesn't matter it's a huge franchise and they made shitloads of money so I mean kudos but I I, just, I, cu- I couldn't believe how not scary the movie was that's all yeah and there's no gore there are virtually no deaths mm-hmm. there is. Uh, no, that was really it. The fact that there really is that there were no deaths or actual like I don't know other than some jump scares in the beginning. It's not really a scary movie. So you know, if you it's we almost have, like a thirteen-year-old could watch it. We have a lot of listeners who don't actually watch horror movies. This may actually be a fun one to watch because you will get some scares out of it, but ultimately it's kind of funny, and you can have a nice time with it. I will say this: my mark for a really scary movie is am i scared when i go to bed i've yeah. never been less scared on any night of my life than after i watched this yeah. it was soothing in a way that i was just like this is so far-fetched and un you know and unearned that i am now not afraid of anything right so oh god and i had just watched the night before i went to the opening night screening of the nightingale which is jennifer kent's new movie the woman who did the mm -hmm. babadook and that is not a horror movie it's um it's very hard to watch though movie about the aboriginal uh struggles in australia to put it very broadly but i had a really emotional night the night before watching that and trying to go to sleep. So this was pretty funny and a relief really too. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. So well, moving. I guess the only other thing we want to talk about, I feel like in the movie before it ends is where is Dalton? There is a, there is a missed parenting opportunity, which is once Dalton awakes from awakens from his coma, they, he is also not on screen for almost the rest of the movie. Right? He's, he's just they give him some else. food. They give him some right. like you must he's be hungry. Spaghetti. Yeah. And then no one's with him. There's a point at which he's I think a- Barbara Hershey's with him because then Rose Byrne goes back to Patrick Wilson and is like, Oh no, you just strangled Elise to death. You're really the old woman from your nightmares, you know? Right. 
Cool. All right. Well, never mind. Yeah. I would say grandma's be not oh. crazy in this movie. Grandma's be milk toast in this movie. Um, it's just, she's just kind of like a nothing character. I'm surprised that she cared so much about her grandchild because she's never introduced as their grandmother. It was very strange. Yeah. And I guess their real grandmother is with the other kids. Oh, I remember my note was about where's Dalton during that seance scene. Like his body was like in his room. Why on earth would you not keep that close when like the demons are at your door? But what do I know? Yeah, they they do it downstairs and he's upstairs on his life support. Cool. That's just weird. I would have brought him closer. There were all kinds of things in that movie where they were spread out from the children that made no sense. Bonkers. I I thought maybe we should rate rate this movie, even though it should be fairly obvious. Josh, how many um, Darth Mauls do you give Insidious? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this uh, a Darth Maul with robot legs or without? With hopes for feet? Ah, uh, with hooves for feet, Darth Maul with hooves for feet. This is not solo Darth Maul, nor Phantom Menace Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're talking the Darth Maul of Ins- Strictly Insidious. Yes. How many out of five? What am I reading again? The, the movie? movie? I give it one Darth Maul. I agree. And then the children oh. who, aren't, who are barely in the movie. All right. Okay. Uh, how many... Uh, cool jigsaw easter eggs do you give them <laughs> i mean it doesn't even matter they were like barely in the movie but uh sure fine good job how many out of how many jigsaw oh out, easter of, eggs? out of 16 <laughs> um i'll give them 10 whoa why not i mean it doesn't matter they were just like little kids acting like little kids they weren't acting creepy almost at all except for that one scene they're barely acting barely in the movie yeah they get half of a jigsaw easter egg from me oh that's it i didn't like them i didn't think they were good and there was zero point to them even being in this movie yeah that's not their fault though um Okay, well, it's not about the kids as, as humans. It's about no, their like scariness, the is it not? And their acting job and, the and their believability. Yeah, actors yeah. and the characters. I get one. Okay, get out of here. Well, that brings Scram, us. Beat it. That brings us right into where are they now? And mm-hmm. it's Mummy and Daddy's totally awesome. Where are they now? Thank you. You're welcome. And so here we go. Where are they now? Young Dalton is played by Ty Simpkins. And he has been. <laughs> he sounds like a Star Wars, doesn't he? Sound does. like he, he like he's an X-wing pilot. He does. He's actually been in a lot of stuff, um, but his mini bio on IMDb pretty intense. At his young age, Ty Simpkins has proudly accomplished more than most in the world of entertainment. What Bold. A dick. <laughs> okay, so he was in the latest uh, Jurassic Park movies. We saw that first one, and I thought he was pretty good in it. He's he's like a sweet little kid, and he always has like a cool personality. That's the most insidious part of all. <laughs> but I see. I, but I was looking at his uh, his whole credit list here, and he was the little kid in Little Children. He was like the young young child. Oh my god! Yeah. So he's worked with Patrick Wilson before, and Kate Winslet's in that movie. He was also in Revolutionary Road. Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, I guess his mini bio is pretty dead on all right he should be very proud and he's accomplished a lot more than most he's, he was an iron man 3 as well it makes patrick avengers ed game lots of stuff it makes <laughs> he and patrick wilson's relationship in this movie even weirder his bad yeah. dad relationship right because 
that was probably the whole reason he was cast in the first place. Yeah. To be comfortable with Patrick Wilson. But it's true. All right. That brings us right into our segment, The Kids Are Creepy All Right. And I have an Ananiwa update for you. <laughs> Don't say that name. Okay. Quick refresher Ananiwa is the entity <laughs> that our son Wu would talk about when he was just learning how to talk. Okay. So last week, I was recording Wu at breakfast, just a video, right? Sometimes I just do audio recordings of their sweet little voices. You're like Specs from Insidious. Yeah. That's so funny. I get that so much. So I was recording him and Wu is really into having meetings. He, he says, let's have a meeting. It's so, adorable. Yeah, it's really Say cute. All. And, all his members. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, I want to talk about Niawa. And I was like, what? He brought this up out of nowhere. And I was like, do you mean Ananiwa? And he was like, yeah, Ananiwa. And he really takes his time with it. Like I could tell he was just, I think he knows at this point that I kind of like light up or get very interested when he talks about Ananiwa. So yeah. I was like, Ananiwa, what about Ananiwa? What do you t- want to talk about? And he said, it's a boy. And I was like, oh, I thought it was a girl. And he's like, no, it's a boy. And I was asking him where Ananiwa was. And he's pointed across the street. He's in that house over there. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, a house, by the way, that mirrors our own. It is they're yeah. identically. They yeah. were certainly constructed together. They are two identical but opposite homes. Right. So, so yeah, it was shadow a, child. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, "Have you ever seen Ananiwa?" And he said, "No." I was like, "Oh, then how do you know who Ananiwa is?" And he goes, "He talks to me through the monitor." Gulp. <laughs> and I was like, "What does Ananiwa say?" And he says. Get out of your bed. So at this point, I'm still kind of laughing to myself because I talk to them over the monitor as a game, right? right. And he and thinks he's it, only recently realized that that's a thing. Yeah, and he thinks it's hilarious. So I'm not totally creeped out at this point. And he's just uh, kind of riffing on that for a bit. And I turn. I think it's done. I turn off my phone and I said to Wu, "You know, is Ananiwa real or pretend?" And he goes, pretend. And then he says, That's a relief. And then he says, Am I real? <laughs> oh my God. It was so chilling. And of course, I didn't have my phone on. It was it was perfect. It was a perfect creepy moment. I don't know what Ananima is. I'm not, I'm sure it's just made up, but it was so bone chilling. Am I real? And then he just did the dead-eyed grin from us right yeah. after that. One more thing for this segment. My sister, aka Aunt Monica, aka our biggest fan and our early childhood expert, as you may have seen on our Facebook post, she's right. been sending us lots of good content. Uh, she sent me something from a few years ago that her son said that she had posted on Facebook. And her son is also quite the um, comedian. So this is this was yes. extra funny. At the a time. cut up. Yeah. He said, Mom, I know your friend is going to be killed by a snake. So don't say I didn't warn you all. And no, he wouldn't tell me a name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's phenomenal. <laughs> oh, my God. A perfect you... oracle reading of this This snake is going to kill a friend. I can't say who or yeah. what you know what the name is. Yeah. Just vague enough. <laughs> vague but specific. He's going to make a lot of money in his medium career. That's side, right. Side hustle. 
If you have creepy stories for our, our segment, The Kids Are Creepy All Right, please, please do send us an email at mummyxdeady at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeady, Instagram at mummyxdeadypod, or you always have that option of leaving us a voicemail. Please exercise your right to leave us that voicemail, 818-839-1991, 818-839-1991. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a real blast talking about this. Do you think there are kids in Insidious 2 through 4? What's a plural of Insidious? Insidii. Insidii? Is it Latin? See. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And hey, tell a friend. We like new listeners. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. And Maggie Spaulding is a suppressed memory of tiptoeing through the tulips with your newsy ghost. <laughs> Tiny Tim. Love you, Maggie. Close your eyes, Josh. Take a deep breath and relax.